Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Never Open Podcast, the podcast open to everyone, especially the Never Open title. Happy 10 years, motherfucker. We love you. My name is Luke. I am your host of the Never Open Podcast, and with me is, as is always, as always, is Mr. Andy Guy. Say hello, Mr. Andy Guy. Is as all tenses <laughs> in forms of the word. I am here. My name is Andy, a.k.a. that Mr. Guy with suspicion in your voice. And uh, I'm here to talk. It's it's never around 14, and we're here to talk about all kinds of stuff, but we are definitely going to be heavy talking about the Never Open Weight title, our favorite title. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, it Well, I'm, I live in the future, so it's the day after, but it is October 5th for you. So in my opinion, still counts. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, it is the 10-year anniversary of the very first uh, Never Open title match where the first champion, Masato Tanaka, was crowned. So, uh, yeah, in, in that 10 years, we're now up to champion number 37, which is uh, 37, you know, a bit of a close <laughs> reference there. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Miss Andy and I love the Never Open title. It's been around for 10 years. And I don't usually do this on the Never Realms, but I'll, I'll do it today, Mr. Guy, because uh, New Japan, you know, they haven't really got any news celebrating 10-year anniversary of the Never Realm, so what the fuck? But you know what? We got ways you could celebrate the Never Open title. We got merch that has that beautiful beautiful belt on it as well as the name of our podcast of course so if you want a, a hoodie or a t-shirt or a sticker or a keychain or socks etc etc go to our fucking teespring store and do that you will look never as fuck and uh you'll be uh celebrating that wonderful title like uh well like a bad motherfucker really because it is the bad motherfucker title so do it yeah I usually do the emails and stuff, but, you know, it's never around. We'd ask this. Yeah. Well, we, we did get an email this week, though, which we'll uh, we'll talk about later. But, uh, you know, I'm excited about that one. That's right. So am I. In fact, uh, uh, Mr. Ian, he sent a, a message like I was like, you know, he's a he, he's a Tweety New Japan sent out. Right. It's like, well, uh, it's about like Royal Quest attention there are spoilers and they send links to that article and i was like i sent him i sent him a tweety back going like well rather than spoilers you could you know upload the shows and ian's like hey those shows are really good and yes i'm taunting you and i'm like you motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And then he sent that email and i was like you know what i'm not sure if i'll read the whole thing but i'll read the first paragraph and then like i get to the end of it and he's like there's no spoilers. I was like, oh, you wonderful man. So thanks, Reno. I was able to read the whole thing. And uh, by the way, he does spoil one match, but that one match has a Carter in a singles match. And you know who's winning that match, right? <laughs> and uh, as soon as I read that, I was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't mind that spoiler one bit. I was like, yep. If <laughs> I won't tell you who he I won't tell everyone who he wrestles in case they care. But yeah. Um, it, I won't name him out loud, but he's something like um, B.D. Tito. No, that's too obvious. Um, Bad Dude T. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Big I that's right. So uh, don't be shocked when you see that match and uh, it's Rainmaker City. So uh, other than that, there is no spoilers in his email when it, when we uh, played everyone. And uh, Wow. Thank God we that, got that cleared up. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
You're welcome, everybody, who was anticipating <laughs> <that>. bated breath. <laughs> all right. So before we get into all the uh, all the super mega fun stuff that we want to get to, let's um let's bum each other out just a little bit because the the man who has made all of this possible, Mr. Guy, Antonio Inoki, has passed away at the uh, pretty damn good age for a professional wrestler of 79. And, uh, yeah, so uh, he had some ongoing issues. Uh, apparently, as part of the 50th anniversary celebrations, um, they were going to make Mr. Inoki an honorary lifetime chairman. In fact, it already... Uh, asked him he already accepted and was going to be announced at the upcoming show that will be on on monday the 10th of october alas that uh, obviously can't happen because of his passing so yeah this man casts a huge shadow over over wrestling and over many fans excuse me lives including us uh, that mr anoki creating new japan pro wrestling uh well what would we be doing mr guy so uh yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Something <laughs> different, you know? But, uh, yeah, you know, Inoki's life, um, I mean, the man kind of did it all, right? He's like one of these, like, supermen, you know, that kind of changed everything he touched, sometimes for, you know, the good, sometimes for the worse. But, you know, I think that I was trying to think about, like, why is he special? Like, you know, if you look at him when he's in the ring, I don't know that Inoki is some amazing wrestler. He kind of reminds me of Hulk Hogan just because like he's all presence, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, he has some good matches and stuff, but like it's all presence. It's all pomp, you know? And it's yeah. like, it, it's like he's a worker man from the old school. And like, that's what he exudes as a wrestler. And I was looking through his catalog of matches and like, you know, most of them are versus Gaijin's. You know, like he's the he's like the Japanese hero and he's a cliche as far as being like the kind of guy that is the booker, but books himself to be champion, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like what an interesting person, you know, must have been quite a shock to the fans, though, when uh, this uh, new big dude named Vader comes in and everyone's like, oh, another Gaijin for Anoki to, to smash. And then then that. Uh, you know, or I wouldn't call it infamous. That famous match happens where Vader just fucks him up in like five minutes. Wow. So yeah, you know, he, he does cool shit like that. Then you've got 90 minutes of tree uh, grass rolling. So not everything he did was perfect, but uh, man, he did a lot of great stuff for, for for wrestling. So fuck, man, that's a big deal. Yeah, New Japan. Anakin. They uploaded a bunch of his matches and stuff, or just kind of put him in a playlist. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I was kind of flipping through them today a little bit. I was, I watched, uh, the Korea match versus Rich Flair where there's like nice. a billion people there, you know, and I watched a match versus Sting where it's just like the whole match is a Scorpion Deathlock, like the whole match. <laughs> <laughs> it was so boring, but you know, and, and because New, J New Japan didn't have the entrances, so they probably don't have the, the rights to man called Sting, you know, they, mm. <laughs> there's no entrances, which is like one of the coolest parts of Inoki matches. You know, WWE would be petty about down. that shit too, right? <laughs> That's right. So, uh, yeah, you know, he, he's cast a fucking huge shadow over wrestling. I watched a couple matches. I watched the Vader match. I watched 
uh, and I watched a Muda match. Uh, I didn't take notes on the Vader match, but it was really good. Oh, I watched a um, I watched a match with him uh, wrestling uh, Doctor Death, Steve Williams from the eighties as well. So uh, I only took notes on one of them, and uh, it stopped me from taking notes on the other ones because whilst the match is like it's very much presence, as you said, and it's a good match but the finish was just absolute garbage. And I was just like, you know what? I'll just watch the other two and just comment and say like, I watched these and they were good. So that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so uh, the one I watched was from Wrestling Dontaku 94. Do you want to start with uh, some Anoki while we're on the Anoki train? Or do you want to do some news? Or what do you, what do you want to do? It's never wrong. Anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I want to talk about chess. <laughs> So oh my god. Hear about this chess thing. All right, so here's what I know, all right? Yep. And obviously guys are here to hear us talk about chess, so get ready. Here yeah. it comes. Uh spoilers for chess, by the way. Um so <laughs> so there's this guy named Magnus. He's like the best guy ever. Yeah. Like last last time we recorded, you said he's not welcome and I can't remember why. And now I hear he's accusing a younger guy of cheating and the guy that like admitted he cheated but only online or something yeah well i said um it's open to everybody except hans neiman so uh it was the other guy but that's oh, okay. okay okay that's right. so that's the, the only chess person i know is that magnus guy so i heard magnus when you said neiman that's so every cool. every chess player is is has a rating a, a score or whatever it's that it's pretty much the uh how good you are score and magnus has the highest score of any chess player in history so you know He's pretty much the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. You know, think of any sport you like, the best player in that, and Magnus is the equivalent. Now, there's this St. Louis chess tournament called the Sinkfield Cup. It's over the board. And uh, Hans Neiman was a last-minute replacement because some guy had to pull out. And uh, apparently Magnus wanted to pull out of this tournament. But, you know, all right, I'm a, I'm a professional. I'll play anyway. He plays Hans Neiman, and he, uh, Magnus has the black pieces. So I don't know if anyone knows this about chess, but if you have the white pieces, you have a slight advantage because you can choose any opening you want, and black has to react to that. You know, that's that's kind of the white advantage. White goes first, right? Is that yes, kind of the deal? Yes, correct. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's, that's generally the rules of chess. Now, <clears throat> Magnus plays the black pieces, and he likes to take people out of their preparation and comfort zone by not playing weird moves, but because like he's still like the best, but try to get things off book as quickly as possible. So it's a battle of minds, not a battle of preparation. Anyway, uh, he starts playing and uh, this guy, Hans Neiman, crushes Magnus Carlsen like no one's crushed him before ever. And Magnus quits the fucking tournament. <clears throat> Doesn't say why, just says he's leaving. Anyway, uh, and there's and nothing's been said for weeks, right? Nothing. Just lots of speculation. Even rumors that Hans Neiman managed to – there's lots of memes and jokes about this online for anyone who cares, but there's lots of memes and jokes about uh, Hans Neiman cheated by putting anal beads in his bum somehow. And, yeah, uh, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Does that give you an unfair advantage in chess? Yeah, it must. Up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you focus. The but... idea of someone, someone was signaling him using something that vibrates that's inside him yeah. is the idea because they get checked for shit. So a couple of weeks later, there's an online tournament 
And oh, look at this. Round six. Hans Neiman versus Magnus. And Hans plays one move. Magnus plays one move. Hans plays his second move. Magnus resigns. And not only does Magnus resign and lose three points, but he goes on to win the tournament by crushing everybody else. <laughs> so that's how good this guy is, right? And and players that are much better than Hans Neiman. Other players have come out and said, yeah, yeah, there's been it's been known that his guy's cheated and all this kind of stuff. Hans tries to defend himself and all this kind of stuff. And it just came out yesterday that chess.com has just said, like, yeah, this guy's cheated more online more times than he's admitted uh, uh, publicly and stuff like that. And uh, here's our 72-page analysis. Don't worry, I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> <clears throat> so... Magnus did issue out a statement and all that kind of stuff, pretty much carefully worded, so, you know, he can't get sued <laughs> and all this shit. And at near the end of it, he's like, uh, if uh, Hans wants wants me to say anything more about this, he, he, he's, he's got to give me the permission to do so, meaning, you know, let me say what I want so I can't get sued, motherfucker. It also turns out that Hans Niemann's, like one of Hans Niemann's coaches, also has a history of online cheating. But mm-hmm. that's that's all online cheating. This this all started in an over the board match, and there's no indication that he cheated over the board. So uh, there's all this kind of chess drama and all that kind of stuff. But there's other grandmasters uh, that means like really high rated players that are that are saying like, yeah, uh, this guy's dodgy as fuck. And uh, and they they've analysed stuff that he's done, and it turns out like. This this guy Hans Neiman has is has like had the best growth score wise and win wise from any chess player in history. More than Magnus Carlsen, more than Bobby Fischer, more than Gary Kasparov. I'm trying to mention names that people might know. You might have heard of Bobby Fischer and Gary Kasparov. Uh, you know more than like the greats of the game. And the the big fucking cloud over this whole thing is yeah, but he's cheated like. It doesn't matter. Like, there's always going to be that fucking asterisk, you know. Oh yeah, yeah you know, for forever because once a cheater, always a cheater. And uh, in the the way to cheat in chess, if in case people don't know, is I don't know over the board. I don't know. I don't know how to do the anal beads thing. But uh, <laughs> but online, the way to cheat is there's things called chess engines. It's uh, easy, right? Yeah. yeah. Computer computers can beat like top computer engines can beat anyone in chess. Like it doesn't matter if you're Magnus Carlsen, Kasparov, it doesn't matter. Uh, in fact, people like Magnus Carlsen in anyone. If you want to be a top level chess player, you, you probably use engines to uh, prepare for preparation purposes and shit. I won't go into it. So yeah, that's the big fucking chess drama. If for, for everyone who's like, chess is a boring game and nothing happens. Like, yeah. Here you go. It's <laughs> a chess drama. Well, it's fucking so, massive. But just to explain how you cheat is that, like, on a basic level, basically you you play two games. Mm. You play one, you know, versus your opponent, and then one versus, like, the computer on hard, and you do your opponent's moves to the computer and see what they do, and then that's how you beat somebody online by cheating, right? I mean, that's basically that's right. it. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. I had no idea this whole time that Watto just wanted to be a great chess player. You know? <laughs> I, I wonder what his score is and if he knows how to do the anal beats thing. Dude, you know who I want to see play chess now? The fucking House of Torture. Evil! 
Evil cheated in chess. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ref comes over. We get ref Chumpy to, you know, be the the like, you know, whatever official in charge. And he he kind of hears something near uh, Evil's butt, and he starts to pull on something. And he pulls out one, then another, then another, and it's big long string of anal beads. And, e- and Evil's just like, wah wah. And, and each bead says like, uh, you know, Rook to H7 or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so yeah. goes there he's trying to distract but rough you know chumpy's gonna see it he's gonna find the anal beads <laughs> and you pat down for beads so yeah man oh my god so you know uh it's it's it's, it's still an ongoing thing but uh you know and it's a lot of people are saying like oh magnus is just salty because he got crushed and a lot of his peers are being like, uh, we've beaten him before, like pretty resoundingly, and he's never reacted like this with us. So, you know, make of that what you will. It's, it's interesting. There's been a, a story near me that maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't. I don't know if you know about this or if you've heard about this, <laughs> but there is <laughs> there is this uh, the like there's a fishing tournament, you know, there's tons of fishing tournaments, and some of these tournaments is big money you know and people win all kinds of money on these tournaments they get sponsors and shit it's on tv well there's a big fishing tournament up in like uh, lake erie i think is where it was at for walleye fish which are delicious by the way and uh they i guess this these people this two people had been you know winning lots of tournaments together they're partners and uh i guess somebody thought something was fishy with their fish (laughs) and fucking cut open the fish and found all kinds of lead weights in there and like other pieces of fish to kind of like keep the lead weights from clanking together and stuff. And, um, I, I, so there's a video online, which is just amazing. And it's like, it's just, it's the video of these guys getting caught and standing there and having to take all these fishermen going, fuck you motherfucker. You fucked us over. You stole from us. and, like, the only reason he didn't get his ass kicked is because, like, the officials are cops. So they oh, were like, you oh, or, you know, like, they kind of got escorted him out of there. But the guys, he, he's getting, uh, the two guys are getting sued, like, every which way. They're facing, uh, they're going to face felony criminal charges for fraud because they defrauded, you know, these fishing orga- yep. organizations are out of over $400,000 uh, and dollar dues. And I found out, too, that they've been scouting, quote unquote, their locations, which is 100% okay to do. But what they'll do is they'll just fish in the same spot, like the same lake or whatever. They're supposed to just scout locations, quote unquote, and anything they catch that's big, they just keep alive. And they throw in the live well and they switch that out for other fish they catch when the tournament's actually happening. So they are cheating every which way. They're fucked, and that video is fantastic. If you've not, I thought you were gonna say there was like a dude underwater, scuba like with scuba gear on, grabbing fish and putting them on the hooks for them and shit. No, it, it, well, the part I didn't tell you was that okay, so they get all the, you know, one of the fish they cut open, but there's nothing in the belly, so they check the the butthole, and there's anal beads in there, and they keep <laughs> rook to H four. <laughs> Oh my god oh my god show me any game on earth and there's motherfuckers cheating in it and like oh my god yes oh it's great it's great 
hey, get your kids back. Like he's yeah. back for reals, sort of. Like that's I mean, really not cool. in J- not in Japan, but he's got a match versus Tanahashi. He's gonna be on Strong. That'll be a main event, right? I mean, that's pretty cool. Well, even if it's not wrestling Tanahashi, as you mentioned to me on the the chit chat last night, is a pretty good sign that maybe you're back. So, yes, please. And uh, that'd be cool because we missed our secret uh, shifty looking heel. Uh, Just watch his young lion matches. He's got the evil eyes. He's wearing (laughs) the wrong socks. It was just a silly, silly joke. He's not really shifty. But, uh, he helped. He helped us get us through the pandemic, man. I'll never did. forget that, you know. So, and like, how many times did Suzuki kill him? He's got heat with Suzuki, man. Like that. That has to come to fruition at some point, you know. That'd be great. Absolutely. So, so, <clears throat> excuse me. If we want to keep the young line train going, Mr. Andy, uh, I sent this to you last night. But we and uh, let's have a quick chit chat about it. We have our card for Declaration. I just channel um power. Yeah, I'm just cha- channeling. Uh, you're doing powerhouse hubs the same. I was doing um vulgar display of power. What's that band? Fuck. Oh, Punch in the uh, face. Pantera, man. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I mind blanked. Fantastic. But yeah. So uh, we got a card for that, and uh, which uh, for me has it looks well, looks pretty good. I don't know if I have your opinion on it. I'm pretty sure you like it. Uh, we got Ren Narita's comeback match. Uh, I'm, I'm excited because uh, Robbie hey. Eagles is back as well. So we've got Ren Narita, Robbie Eagles, and David Finley versus El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Doki. Yes! Yay. Hell yeah. Awesome. We got uh, Tai Chi. Hell yeah, he does. We got Tai Chi ZSJ versus uh, Big Teats and Shane Host. Um and we've got, uh, you know, uh, Wato, Arsmasters, uh, Hikaleo, and Tanahashi versus House of Torture. Oh, my God. House of Torture is wrestling other people. Hey, hang on. Where's where's, where's Yo? He's not in that yeah. match. All right, cool. Uh, we've got a special tag match. We've got uh, Okan on the cob versus Team Abishamon. Yeah, go, go great, Okan. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. We've got a uh, – uh, we've got LIJ. That's uh, Bushi, Hiromu, Sonata, and Naito versus uh, Empire. That's uh, – uh, Willie Goat, Hanare, TGP, and Akira. Then we've got, uh, yeah. Then we've got uh, Kushida versus Ishimori for the uh, junior title. That's going to be a banger. Not, it's not for the junior title. This is for, oh. it's it's just a singles match. Ah, oh, that's right. That's right. Ishimori yeah. said, you just got back. Why do you get a title match? Okay. Yeah, exactly. He's just being the biggest dick ever. He's just like, I'm, mm. I'm going to be champion as long as possible. That's right. He's, uh, yeah. All the way to all the way to the dome, please. Uh, let's go with uh, <laughs> let's go with that. Next match we have a King of Pro Wrestling provisional match. It's the Who's Your Daddy match. <laughs> I thought I thought that now that Yano doesn't have the top, the the trophy anymore, we'd get probably more serious kind of trophy matches. And I'm glad <laughs> that we've sort of gotten that, but they're not afraid to be like. Hey, let's let's show the funny side of, of some of these wrestlers as well. Yeah, and, uh, Shingo. This and, is this is great, like character progression for Shingo. I love this. Absolutely, me too. Uh, we got another special singles match. It is Okada versus Jonah. Yeah. And we've also got the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. I'm a little miffed that there's no uh, never open title match in this. Come on, 10 year anniversary. Not even an article on New Japan World. What are you? <laughs> 
<laughs> I will write for you. Let me write this article for you. I will even not swear much. Uh, but it's Tamatonga so, versus uh, the Switchblade, of course. The, well, there has been a match announced for the Never Open title, and it's uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's 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 Carl Anderson versus Hikaleo, but it's not until Battle Autumn, which is in November. So we get that in November. We also get Naito versus uh, versus Osprey again. So I don't oh, know. okay, well. That just spoils another match for me for World Quest. Okay, and not your fault, but oh, uh, sorry, buddy. No, nah, it's all right. They're releasing cards and shit. I'm like, look, when you said these, they, they were going to release these shows late, I was like, they're not live. I was like, fine, just breathe. Like, like it's a splish play, just breathe. But we've got shows coming, a show coming up on Monday, pretty major show, uh, and I'm tempted just to watch the Japanese commentary because they could spoil anything they want. I won't understand what the fuck they're saying. But I don't know, man. Like, it took them ages to release that Sheba show. I don't know why, because by the time that came out, that was old news because titles had changed, you know, things like that and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I know it's not mega canon, as you say, Mr. Mr. Guy, but I'm pretty sure ZSJ and Naito were uh, having a wrestling match to decide who was going to face the Willie Goat. <laughs> and now I know fucking wins New Japan. Sorry. Not your fault. Yeah. I'm blaming them because... I'm just like, where is this show, man? Like, come on, man. Look, hey, you haven't had a show on all this week, New Japan. You know, it would be, uh, oh, okay, I guess they're strong, but I don't watch that. But you know what I mean? Like, this week is free of brand new live New Japan wrestling shows in Japan. So, I don't know, maybe that would have been a good time to release Royal Quest. Give us, give us fans something to watch while we're waiting for the Declaration of Power show. <laughs> I don't know, man. You sound like, like Stallone when you. Declaration of Power. But it's while holding a Gil Hibben. <laughs> so yeah, I won't, I won't rant on uh, Royal Quest uh, any more than that, Mister Mister Guy. But uh, it is coming out later than I thought it would. So there is that. Well, I guess since we're here, would you like to hear Reno's uh, review uh, with no spoilers? Okay, everybody, there's not going to be spoilers yep. of the uh, Royal Quest Knights 1 and 2. Fuck you, man. Let's do it. Hi, Luke and Andy. This is Ian. Sorry I haven't been writing in lately. Ironically, Strong has been pretty good. It's just that my free time has collapsed a little bit. One of the things taking my free time this week was nights one and two of Royal Quest from Crystal Palace in London. I'll start off by saying I have no idea why this show wasn't live, or at least up on New Japan World within 24 hours. It had a very decent crowd, the feeling was somewhere between the top end of house shows and the lower end of special events, and a couple of the matches were absolutely first rate. Because I was watching rather than taking notes, I don't have detailed accounts of each match, but I'll bring you up to speed on highlights where I can. I'll also try not to give match results if you haven't seen this yet. The first two matches on the first night heavily featured RevPro talent, largely in positive ways. The first match featured Gabriel Kidd returning to New Japan for the first time since January and facing Dan Maloney. Kidd was looking better than he had last time we saw him. 
He seemed more centred. The crowd were glad to see him back. His hair looked absolutely terrible, but we can't have everything. Dan Maloney is a smaller competitor who is packing dynamite kid levels of muscle on his body, and the two of them proceeded to paste the absolute crap out of each other. The match felt like an audition piece where Dan was trying to show he had arrived while Gabriel was trying to show that he was back. The jury's out on the latter, but Dan Maloney would round out the best of Super Juniors nicely if you needed him to. Following this, Michael Oku and Ricky Knight Jr. faced Gideon Gray and the Great Okan. Gideon Gray is fundamentally a manager rather than a wrestler, and he looks like he just turned up from a production of Waiting for Godot, but if you needed someone to draw crowd hate, he's really good at it. Problem is, he's paired with Great Okan, and nobody in the entire world wants to boo Great Okan right now. Oku and Knight are excellent wrestlers who fall into the old middleweight category, probably a bit too big to be cruisers, but both can fly around the ring as needed. Oku in particular is staggeringly talented and needs to be under contract somewhere soon. This ended up being a really fun tag, despite Grey not really being a wrestler. And speaking of not being a wrestler, god I feel bad about this, but... Next up, we had a women's tag match that featured three wrestlers ranging from good to great and a spare WWE diva. Alex Windsor is one of the best women's wrestlers in the UK and holds titles from Rev Pro and Tokyo Joshi Pro to prove it. Kanji, while small, is a tremendous women's wrestler and holds titles in Rev Pro and Progress. Jazzy Gabbert, the alpha female, is an absolute monster who's held multiple titles in stardom and who's recently returned to the ring after a two-year absence. Ava White is also in this match. She's very new. She's got a look that will get Johnny Ace's heart beating again. It's possible she will learn, but right now she just isn't very good at all which meant we have three quarters of a good match, weighed down by the fact that Ava White was booked for the IWGP Women's Tournament and Alex Windsor wasn't. Following these preliminary bouts, we had a run of pretty good matches that you guys already knew would be pretty good. LIJ vs Suzuki Gun was a great taster for Naito vs ZSJ the following night and showed how incredibly over Doki is. Ishii and Okada was supposed to be facing Jonah and Bad Dude Tito, but Ian meant that Jonah couldn't fly from Florida. Not the hurricane, me. I stole his passport. In any case, Big Teats teamed with Zack Knight, uncle of Ricky Knight Jr. and brother of Soraya, so two-thirds of the active Knight family had a good showing in wrestling this week. And in the last match of the mid-card, Tanahashi teamed with Tamatonga, Hikaleo and Jado against a Bullet Club team of the Good Brothers, Jay White and Gado. They were definitely trying to maximise their Tamatonga versus Jay White minutes here, and this was the first time that I found Tamatonga to be properly convincing as a main event face. The show was headlined by Osprey versus Umino and FTR versus Aussie Open. Osprey versus Umino was pretty good. This being the UK, Osprey was ridiculously over, and Umino has made quite a lot of fans in his time in Rev Pro, so he had a pretty over face versus a ludicrously over heel, which meant that Osprey kept having to up the violence of the match in search of booze, eventually causing Red Shoes, refereeing the match, to call a stoppage as Umino simply couldn't continue. It was a well-executed piece of arrogant bullying, if that's what you're up for. And then, in the main event, Aussie Open faced FTR. 
I'll start with Aussie Open. They're a great team. They move wonderfully together. The crowd really like them despite them being heels, and people really wanted to watch and enjoy them. FTR? I am pretty sure that if Dax Harwood had got on the mic and told this audience to storm Parliament, he could have brought down the government on Saturday night. People were absolutely in love with them, and they earned that love by putting on one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. I was in the audience for Bucks vs. Page and Omega, and that is an arguably better combination of drama and action than this match. Earlier this year, FTR faced the Briscoes, and their first match against them was arguably a better fight than this match. But if you want a tag team wrestling match, just four guys telling the best story possible with their bodies and their blood, this was about as good as it gets. Even if you skip the rest of Royal Quest, you owe it to yourselves as fans of New Japan, as fans of pro wrestling, to watch this one. Overall, Night One was a pretty good show. Some bits were house showy, some relied on local talent a bit too much, but in between introducing me to some excellent new guys and ending with an astounding main event, this was a superb night of wrestling. Night 2 was very much more of the same, essentially a shuffling of the deck of Night 1. We start out hot with some junior heavyweight tag action as Desperado and Doki take on Michael Oku and Robbie X. Both Oku and X clearly realised that this was their best opportunity to impress against great competition, and both rose to the occasion. Robbie X has been a British cruiserweight mainstay for the last 15 years. He's the guy you put against for visiting talent if you want them to have a really good match, and in this capacity he's fought everyone from Swerve Strickland to Chris Sabin to Davey Richards. The knock against him, if there is one, is that... Sometimes you need to be more than a reliable hand. There may be a reason why he's yet to wrestle outside the British Isles, which explains why he had his working boots on so tight in this match, and I won't deny he was impressive here. However, he's been impressive before, and we'll have to see whether that's enough. Following this, Hiromu and Sonata took on the RevPro team of the Young Guns, Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs. It was a fine, if unremarkable, tag match, but I have never seen two men who looked more like they just walked off a building site in Rochdale than the Young Guns. Thus far, on this night and the previous night, I've been very happy with the British talent making up their numbers on the card. Unfortunately, the next match is Jazzy Gabbett versus Ava White in the IWGP Women's Championship Tournament. Let's take a step back for the moment and look at this from a distance. This is a tournament for the first IWGP Women's Championship. Other competitors in this tournament include Mayu Iwatani and Kairi Hojo, considered to be two of the best women's wrestlers in the world. Jazzy Gabbert, as discussed previously, is a tremendous monster gaijin. And then you have Ava White. Ava White screams every time she hits someone. Ava White has a back kick that doesn't connect at all. Ava White takes seven minutes in a ten-minute match before she actually performs a wrestling move. And on Ava White's second attempt at a wrestling move in this match, she fucks up a gotch-style pile driver bad enough that she drops Jazzy Gabbert directly on her head. Thankfully, she loses, but with the sheer amount of women's wrestling talent, not just in London, but specifically in this venue, there was no reason she should have been in this match. 
Thankfully, this is followed by a match that, while not the best of the weekend, was certainly one of the most fun. The entirety of United Empire taking on FTR, Gabriel Kidd, Ricky Knight Jr. and Shota Umino. It's absolutely a house show match, but it's glorious and funny and all of the set pieces work. If you want to watch some people having fun with pro wrestling, this is a delight. The six-man that followed this, with Hikaleo and Tamatonga teaming with Tanahashi against Switchblade and the Good Brothers, is also fine, but again, only really notable for the sections between Tamatonga and Switchblade. At one point, Tamatonga takes off his chest piece and wrestles bare-chested, and I have to say I approve. We end with a trio of singles matches, each of which had its own special appeal to me. First of all, Kazuchika Okada faced Bad Dude Tito. Now, I know that to a degree, the Bad Dude is a bit of a meme wrestler. He has a funny name, you can nickname him Big Teets, but I'll absolutely give him credit for being a really solid journeyman wrestler with some nice power moves and a lot of stamina. This was not Okada's greatest match, and towards the start of the match, the crowd were pretty dead. But in true Okada form, this ended with a crescendo towards the greatest hits, finishing up with a beautiful Rainmaker. I know I said I wouldn't spoil match results, but come on, it's Okada versus Bad Dude Tito. Our semi-main event was supposed to be Ishii versus Jonah. But as I said, I stole Jonah's passport, so instead we get a surprise opponent in the form of the returning Yotasuji. This match was the surprise of the night for me. Every other match I had a pretty good idea how things would go and what sort of quality to expect. With Tsuji being absent for a while, I didn't know whether this would be an Ishii versus Young Lion match or a sneak preview at Tsuji's return. I'm happy to say it was the latter, and there's a lot to look forward to here. The best way to describe Tsuji's look and wrestling style would be to imagine a heel Goto only really good. I know, that sounds like an oxymoron, but work with me here. New Tsuji is big and physical and theatrical. He wrestles like he's in a samurai movie, and he and Ishii comprehensively kick the shit out of each other. If I have a complaint about this match, it's that the pacing wasn't quite there yet. There were still a couple of points where Tsuji was clearly stopping and thinking about what to do next, but that kind of thing comes in time, and if anyone knows how to pace a match, it's Ishii. This was, by some distance, the best Tsuji has ever wrestled, and I look forward to seeing him come back. In our main event, Zack Sabre Jr. faced Tetsuya Naito, and there's almost nothing else to say about this match. If you know these guys, you know how this went. Naito taunted, ZSJ turned it round on him. ZSJ grappled. Naito got out of it and goaded ZSJ into a striking contest. Zack was the hometown hero to the point where Naito was starting ZSJ chants while he had Zack in submission moves. At one point, the crowd started chanting, fuck the Tories. It was that kind of night. This match won't change your life, but it was really good fun. Overall, I think night one was marginally better than night two. Both had very solid under and mid cards, but FTR vs. Aussie Open was absolutely stunning beyond anything else on the show. All in all, it was a really solid weekend of professional wrestling, and well worth my time to go to and your time to watch. Thanks, guys. And until next time, I don't have a sign-off for this bit. So, uh, interesting thing, like, I just want to say about uh, Mr. Reno's email right there is, like, I think 
he he agrees with with us, and I think any sane wrestling fan agrees that we want women's wrestling to be fucking awesome. Like yeah, everywhere we watch it, no matter what the promotion is, we want it to be fucking great. Whether it's like a mixed promotion or like whatever. So uh, the fact that the that uh, <laughs> Ian's just like. Why are they putting fucking shit wrestlers in this fucking IWGP <laughs> women's tournament when you've got yeah. these awesome wrestlers right here on the same shows? What are you doing? And uh, I, I do find it funny that uh, Gideon Gray's trying to heal it up and uh, the crowd just does not want to boo Great Khan. Why? <laughs> because the guy's a hero. Like, who can boo this guy after he saved some uh, poor girl from being assaulted and, he, and you see him partying in... Las Vegas and all this kind of crazy shit. Like he looks like, like it doesn't even matter if you speak the same language. If you're a single dude, you want to go out with this guy and you want him as your wingman. Like Great Okan just seems like a fucking blast, right? So uh, no one wants to boo that man. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's he's too good to boo. And you know, I'm pretty uh. I'm pretty excited to hear that Jazzy Gabber came off great because I really I don't know, man. I think that when we see her on the stardom show or because I'm assuming that means she's in it. I'm not sure. But mm. uh, she's just the quintessential giant Gaijin heel and she's fantastic. And so I can't wait to see that storyline kind of play out uh, versus the, the, you know, Joshi wrestler. So anyway, I mean. As always, fantastic email. I mean, oh, and, uh, you know, Ian's the king of the voicey email. So oh, he's, he's king email. So. He's the undisputed king because, like, uh, no That's one true. else is emailing us. But uh, I want to just say, <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I, I, I do like that he's kind of come around on the Tamatonga face stuff. And I get it. Like, sometimes you need to see something live before it clicks. Like, I've seen a few That's bands fair. that I haven't been, like, major fan of. And then I've seen them live and, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, all right. I think I like. Oh, are we best friends now? Yep. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yes. fair. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know it. That is one thing I always talk about with New Japan is I think the energy transfers through the TV better with New Japan than any other wrestling, which is one of the reasons I love it. But yeah, I've never really seen Tomatonga live. You know, I bet you mm. it's a different experience. It always I've, is. You know, so I've only seen him as a heel. Uh, live so uh i don't know it'd be interesting to see that energy uh in in, in face face wrestling so uh you know yeah. mind you it's it's worked for me <laughs> so uh, well i'm also assuming this crowd was super hot and like singing oh, you know he said they were singing yeah. and all that stuff which is such a cool thing and like i don't know i i just i bet you you know tomatonga firing up in front of a cheering crowd is a little different too than a crowd that just can go Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they don't get a New Japan show every week, so of course they're going to go mega nuts for it. Excuse me, I'm a bit burpy today, a bit gassy. Uh, cool. Thanks for telling us. You're um, welcome, everyone in podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you been watching Dragon House? I am fully up to date on House Dragon Dragon House. Yes, sir, I am. It is like that and Beavers and Butthead are the only two shows I am absolutely 100% up to date on. <laughs> I, I saw the one where Fire starts talking to Beavis and we learn that it's been talking to him his whole life. That was pretty funny. Yeah, then it asks him to do stuff and it's all boring shit. And yeah. he does it 
But as soon as as soon as that fire asks him to read a book, he's just he's just like, he's "Hey, like, dude, there's a fire in here. You might want to put it out." <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. That's as far yeah. as I've gotten on that show. But Dragon Houses, um, like ah, pretty cool, man. Like some shit went down, and like they're just, I I just feel like that, you know. This has all been set up, really good setup. I'm enjoying it, but like I'm ready for some like fighting to happen, like real, yeah. fighting, not between two kids with a knife. I'm talking about like fucking dragons burning towns and shit. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I think I'm ready for that too. And I, I, look, credit to the writers and the makers of the show because the last two episodes, I spent a good portion of the first 20 minutes going, "What are you doing? What the fuck is this?" And then by the end of it, I'm just like. Oh man, how the fuck yeah. did you do that? Because like I'm back on board and I'm just like fuck, that was really good. <laughs> so it plays with my brain. Uh, it's it's good shit. Uh, there's look, I don't I don't like the new princess, the, the new actor. Maybe it's just like because of the position that character's been put in and all that kind of stuff. It's not as interesting, I guess. Maybe, but uh, I'm on the team. I'm on Team Queen, baby. Uh, well. I mean, but the queen, she doesn't. She feels like she oh. just unlocks something inside of her. Like, you know, yeah. she she's like that wrestler that's a baby face that finally figured out they have a mean streak when a, like murder a bushi or whatever. Like and, like Master Wato in his last title match. Like yeah, that match. yeah, yeah, that's right. He started getting mean, which is awesome. And like, but she's like surprised by it. And I love that her dad's like, I'm so proud of you. How fucking crazy you are. <laughs> yeah, her dad walks in and she's like, All right, go on. Say your shit like you always do. And he's like, you a fucking badass. And uh, like, you're we're a crazy bitch. It's awesome. Look, everyone thought you were meek as shit. Now, now everyone knows you got some teeth and we can use that shit. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's good shit. I was, by the way, everyone, there is House Dragon spoilers. If you just hear us mention House Dragons, just take it as written. Because, like, I was yeah. getting angry towards the end because I'm, look, I'm just like, really? Is, you're going to kill off the other gay character? I'm like, come on, man. Like, come on. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. And, then, and then the end of the episode happens. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. Okay, good. Because, like, That's I was good. wondering why, like, uh, Matt Smith snapped that dude's neck. And then, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, plus, like. like they don't have DNA. Like, he's like a character baby face who does some bad shit. Like, he's not a heel. That's Miss L.I.J. for like, sure. Yeah, they can't turn him all the way heel. I love that tease where they're like, oh, he's going all the way heel. But no, he doesn't. And we thought re the same thing with uh, the princess. You know, yeah. we thought she was going full heel. But no. And like, I, I always like that about how Game of Thrones and the world of Game of Thrones, no one's good or bad. And I think that's when like they all just do crazy shit to try to survive. And like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, which is how real life is. And I like how, like, I think that the first show suffered when they quit, when they started choosing sides, you know what I mean? That's when the show starts to go downhill, because then it's like, I mean, obviously you have people you root for, but like at the end of the first season, the, the main baby face gets his head cut off. <laughs> you know? And you're like, you're like, oh, okay, doesn't matter. Everybody's, you know, so I'm ready for some people to die. I can't believe the, uh, you know, the King Patty is still alive. Yeah. But I'm I'm turning around on him. I used to think he was weak and terrible, but he's held things together. You know, I mean, he's done a pretty good job. He's got a, a big family and 
yeah, they're fighting, but that's, you know, he's doing what he can. That's right. But mind you, he's, he's like, uh, he's like keeping things together like Marcus Aurelius, but as soon as he dies, Commodus is going to come up and yeah. fuck everything up. <laughs> Absolutely. But there's like two or three Commoduses and they're like on teams. So, <laughs> so I'm on the team queen, but I'm also on Matt Smith's team as well. Like, it's like when you watch a wrestling match, you're like, I hope both these people win, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's LIJ versus shit. Tackers, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Dangerous! I, uh, <laughs> I like how the kid got the dragon and, like, he, you know, he gets the, like, cliche but awesome badass line where he's like, no, I traded an eye for a dragon. You know, he lost the eye, but he gained a dragon. And now that character is super over with me. So they, yeah. like, I didn't I didn't give a fuck about those kids before that episode. And Me like either. after that episode, I care about all of them. You know, I thought it was funny. The one kid jerks off of the window. That was like the only thing I remembered about the kids. And the rest of it was like, oh, I don't care. But, you know, so I think the next episode, they're all adults or something. Oh, okay. they're, they're much, yeah, they're like much older in the next episode. So it's a different character. But we're going to know you stole who my he is. Drag- you stole my mom's dragon. Yeah. No, I didn't. I just had the balls to go get it. Yeah. Should have claimed it. Yeah. We saw that girl earlier whining about how she didn't have a dragon. You know, quit whining. And you saw him whining about not having a dragon too. And then he like, and then he was just like, well, I could keep whining, or I could just there's one right yeah. there. Man. And he's yeah. Even even his like granddad, you know, uh, Risa Farns. I can never. I'm better remembering the actors' names. I'm so bad. Uh, he's he's the hand again, I guess. And he's just like, he's right. Dragon for an eye? Yeah, that's a good trade. <laughs> it is a good trade, especially it's the biggest dragon. But I'm confused because at one point they were like, the biggest dragon in the world just flew away and we never saw it again. It's out there somewhere. And then we meet the like sea snake character's daughter and she's like, I have the biggest dragon in the world. And it's like, well, what? Like who has, what is the biggest dragon? I'm confused about that. Well, if the biggest dragon retires to parts unknown, then the second biggest dragon therefore becomes the biggest dragon. Maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe it's. Uh, yeah. I don't know, because I was expecting that real big dragon to show up at some point during the story out of nowhere, you know, because why? Why even talk about that? You know, but yeah, whatever. It's an amazing show because like I was 20 minutes in. I'm like, we're still at the funeral. What the fuck? And then <laughs> then it keeps going. and I'm just like, shit, this is getting intense. Dude. That funeral scene is just people looking at each other. It's the whole yeah. fucking thing. It's just them looking at each other. And I, I gotta tell you, I love that show. Don't get me wrong, but that scene was not. It didn't. You know, the scenes of them looking at each other didn't have that magic that Game of Thrones typically does when it's a scene like that that has high stakes and stuff. Uh, you know, so I didn't, I didn't like that scene until people started stabbing each other and screaming and stuff. Then it was cool. Yeah, they're still putting the pieces on the board. And uh, I'm just like, well, it's been seven episodes and in in story about over 10 years. So I think the pieces are all on the board now. Uh, someone's got to pull out the anal beads and uh, start making some moves. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I wonder if they know about the anal beads. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is tremendous. I love it. Oh, my God. So where are you at with Rings of, of Amazon? <clears throat> So I've seen the first two. Um, I'll probably watch the I'll watch the third episode tonight because I'm not watching the show by myself. Um, I'm watching it with uh, Charity and um, 
and uh, my mother-in-law. So uh, what we do is we go over, we'll watch the new Quantum Leap. So I'll watch this week's Quantum Leap tonight. And then uh, after that, we follow it up with uh, some uh, Ring Powers. So I've seen the second episode of uh, Ring Powers and I wasn't looking forward to it. Both of them were like, let's watch Ring Powers because, you know, Quantum Leap is only like 40 minutes. I'm like, yeah, all right. And the first 10, 10, 12 minutes, I'm kind of like mm, checking my phone, what's kind of stuff. And then I'm watching it and then I'm watching it and I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Things are happening and this is kind of cool. And I like all the dwarven stuff in the, in, in, in the mines with Jury and all that kind of stuff and the elf guy. Elf guy. I really yeah, like yeah. Um, Galadriel and and I like this kind of scoundrel that she's met on, on the raft. Uh, and then I like, uh, you know, I, I pretty much like nothing's fully come together yet. I guess because that's going to come later, but things felt like I felt like things happened in this episode because I felt like not much happened in the first episode, except it looked beautiful. So I was, I was, I was so I have to give it props. I like the second episode more than the first. And now when they go, Hey, let's watch ring powers. And I'll, I'll be like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's do it. So uh, I'll even go, Hey, maybe we should watch a ring powers. So yes, um, I'm always going to be a little bit behind because, um, Charity and I will just choose a night we're not busy or doing other stuff to go see, um, you know, her mother and then watch a couple of shows. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to be frustratingly behind on that show for you, uh, Mr. Guy. But there it is. Well, the most recent episode was like, I mean, it was balls to the fucking walls. Like, holy oh, really? shit. Oh my god, I'm not kidding. Like it all it's like a slow show and yeah, there's stuff happening like five episodes of that and then fucking whammo. Like holy crap. And I swear okay. to god the episode was like an hour and a half long. It seemed really long. It's just fucking it was like, you know, it was like Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Just like the whole thing was just fucking thousand moves. It was high work rate. Great great nice. show. So, uh I was blown away and I was like, okay, I love the show forever now. <laughs> that was right. amazing. So I was I'm, shocked, I'm you know, and uh, it was it was just really cool. So uh, I think you'll enjoy it when you get to it. But uh, no spoilers for Rings of Amazons, other than to say the fucking dwarf, like Durin, is the best character on the show. He is every scene he's in, he's fucking stealing it. I don't care who's in it. He is a genius. The character's a fucking genius. The dude is the best. He's awesome. Nice, and I like his friendship with the um the elven dude too, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's great, great. man. That there that is like one of my favorite parts of the show. And you know, it's funny that episode from last week didn't have any of them in it at all. <laughs> oh wow! So your favorite that's how doesn't even have the, the didn't even have my favorite guys in it. Yeah, so uh, oh. that was wild. But uh, um, I started watching a show. Okay, so like I bought a new iPhone like last year or something. You buy Apple product and they're like, hey, you get three months of Apple TV for free. And so I've just left that in my email for a year. And finally, I figure I better cash that in or they're going to, you know, it's going to expire. So I cashed it in and I started watching that Jason Momoa show that's on Apple TV that you've seen advertised, but you've never watched. And it's called C, all caps. All right. Just the letter C? Uh, S-E-E. So oh. like the verb to look okay, yeah, to yeah. be able to. I understand you know, now. Uh, so this show has a cool gimmick, dude. And like, it sounds stupid, but they pull it off and I'm kind of into it. It's like, 
so the deal is it's like a future dystopia, you know, where it's like basically, you know, prehistoric times as far as uh, the technology level. And the reason that society collapsed and everybody moved in these little tribes and are hunters and gatherers again is because like there's some like uh, sickness or illness that makes people not able to see anymore. So no one can see. And that sounds real stupid. Like that sounds like that's going to blow up and whoever's trying to make that show's face, but they, Jason Momoa is in it. He's great. And like all these character actors that are in there are tremendous trying to, you know, acting like they can't see and shit. It's great. I'm sure they have some actual blind actors in there too, but mm. the gimmick, the gimmick is of course that, you know, there's a whole society of people like the whole world's covered up people that can't see. So then some twins are born that can't you know and there's all this mysterious weird shit that's going on and it's like that but that's like the basic gimmick of the show fucking i like it man i'm like i'm like four episodes in and i want to know what happens next i like it i've liked momoa ever since like um he was ronan in uh stargate atlantis Atlantis. tremendous yeah who knew who knew this big tall handsome man would go on to be like one of the biggest stars in the world but every time i see him in anything like if it's cheesy he'll ham it up if it's serious he'll, he looks intimidating and badass like he is uh, he's really good i like him yeah i think so i i don't i mean he even does the like you know the dramatic stuff pretty good for like an action type dude i mean i don't know i think i always liked him as ronin too if you go back and watch that he looks like a little baby it's wild he looks so young on that show and and yeah. was it Tira, Kira, Kara, Tara. There was like his, the person who he was closest with was this like hot lady that was like an alien or whatever, but she just looked like a human. Um, gosh, she was the best too. I love that show. I need to watch that again. Yeah. Dude, I, I liked all those shows and I even liked Stargate Universe and then nothing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm. You've, yeah. Well, have, have potential. Just poopy, dude. It, I like it, Robert Carlyle, so like. Yeah, uh, me uh, too. Oh. I have Rappers? to say, like, I have, man. That movie's awesome. Uh, he's also <laughs> one of my amazing. favorite Bond villains in um, The World Is Not Enough, I think it is. Uh, okay. So uh, he's a pretty good Bond villain now. He doesn't feel pain. So uh, Bond's oh, wow. doing all this whoop ass shit on him, and he's just like, I don't feel that, so I'm just going to fuck you up. So uh, yeah, he's 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 a great Bond villain. He's a, he's he's also good in Twenty Eight Weeks Later, the yeah. sequel to Twenty Eight Days Later. So uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, great movie. Twenty Eight Weeks Later, underrated sequel in my opinion. Yeah, way way better. I think it's. I better. like it more and too. I really like yeah. the first one too. So um, that was a cool. Yeah, that was a cool little series of movies. But Robert Collar fucking rules. I just, I fell in love with him when I saw Ravenous and was like, oh my God, this movie is amazing. That's like every, a wild I, movie. I guess everyone knows him most from um, Train Spotting, I guess. And the Full Monty. Really? Yeah, yeah. Say, yeah, Full Monty, yeah. I think, for like the average person. But yeah, Train Spotting, that's, man, I don't know if that's a good movie. That's like one I haven't revisited. I loved it when I was a kid, but like, is it good? It's a bit much for me. Be, yeah, I'd be interested to go back and watch it, you know? <clears throat> I, I I got a thing against, like, needles, and I say that as someone with five tattoos on his body, but uh, I, like, syringe needles, I, like, they, nope, nope, freaks me out, and so I don't really want to watch a movie full of uh, heroin junkies shooting up all the time. I'm just like, I can't Fair do enough. it, man. 
can't do it. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure it's a good movie, and I typically like Danny Boyle films, uh, but uh, you know, I just mm-mm. some things are just aren't in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm sure it's good. If it was, everyone likes it, it's great. <laughs> it was an edgy movie too. See, that's why I'm thinking maybe it's not good. You know, like if I go back and watch it, maybe it doesn't it doesn't hold up because it's like, you know, it's like one of these movies that's just like super edgy when you first see it and you're like, oh, I've never seen anything like this. You know, but that doesn't mean it's good. You know, necessarily. Oh. Ah, maybe it is. I don't. Know. I remember showing uh, Michelle, my my sister, uh, Pulp Fiction, like a good decade and a half after it came out. And she was like, I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> and she likes Tarantino movies. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Her favorite, I think, is Django. Like, and I love that movie. It's tremendous. But uh, it's just a silly phrase. But uh, and I was like, oh, really? Um, maybe it had to be of, of an age or see it when it came out to kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe it's one of those films. But yeah, I don't know, because we both she enjoyed Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, even Reservoir Dogs. But like Pulp Fiction, she's just like, yeah. 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 I, I don't know, man. I mean, I saw it in the theater and I, I lost my mind. You know, I had yeah, heard, same. you know, what made, what made me go see it? This is so funny. My parents went and saw it because it was a phenomenon and they rarely went to the movies together. It's like, but when something was a phenomenon, they would go see it. And they walked out when Marvin got shot in the face. And my dad told me that. And I was like, oh, man, I got to fucking see this movie. <laughs> my parents walked out of it. I got to see it. You know, so. What made my parents walk out? I want to watch this. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, if they hate it, it must be great. I've so. never walked out of a movie because that, that, I'm just like, I spent my money. I'm going to sit here and uh, like, oh, like I'm speaking of out. speaking of movies like uh, that are really bad, and I'm super glad I didn't have to go to the movies to see this. I just needed to set a VPN or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I took a bullet for everyone because I review movies, uh, LSJ's movie reviews on the YouTube, so you can look it up. Uh, I took a bullet for all of you. So if you're curious about the new Monsters movie by Rob Zombie, yeah, look at my review. Uh, yeah, I'm a, bit, I'm a little ranty, but well, don't worry. It's just me. It's, it's grumpy being grumpy for good reason, though, because that movie fucking sucks. Watch the trailer and that's all you need. You've mm, That movie is awful. And I think I said in my review, for some odd reason, I've managed to review over 200 movies. And this is by far one of the worst movies I've ever reviewed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, uh, you know, low, low, you know, like that's as bad as it gets is what I'm trying to say. But like, do you have reverence for the monsters? Like I watched it on Nick at Night as a kid and <clears throat> I, it was like something that I remember my dad would always be like, he'd be like, oh, Fred Gwynn's great, you know. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, Dad. Car 54, where are you? You know, and uh, mm. and that's about all I really gave a shit about with the monsters. But I heard that the movie doesn't even have like Eddie Munster and doesn't even have Marilyn. Like the they're, they're not born yet, dude. What? <laughs> so, all right. With, with you hear that motorbike? Uh, thanks. Uh, I hear motorbike. Is the, yeah. You sure that's not your neighbor playing a didgeridoo? <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible but uh i'd i'd seen the monsters and adam's family of course and pretty much same shit different smell sort of and i know they're of their time it's a 60s comedy whatever uh, i guess you know i think from people from the 60s all the way to the maybe the 90s because you know it hasn't been streaming and there's 
only a certain amount of channel. Everyone's seen those on reruns, right? And I'd seen a few. They're fine. I even watched part of the first episode of The Monsters on the YouTubes because it's on there. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right, cool. It's ten times better than this movie I watched because, like, I actually actually chuckled. I mean, not enough to make me want to, you know, go on a Monsters binge or anything. But I'm like, all right, I can see the charm is, is what I'm saying. Like, I can see the charm of it. And it's definitely ripe for maybe a, a modern update or t- telling or something like that. You know, mind you, I like that uh, Adams Family movie in the 90s. You know, like Raul oh, Julia. Come on, man. This movie. That movie's awesome. Yeah, you know who's playing um, Gomez uh, Mr., uh, in, the, in the new one, Mr. Andy? It's, um, I don't know if you, you should know him. You've seen him in a lot of things, even if you don't know his name. Louis Guzman. So uh, I think that's oh, pretty cool casting. I, he's great. That guy is in a fantastic movie that no one's ever seen, but it's got the best special features of any movie ever, and it's called Welcome to Collinwood. And it's just oh. about, like, it's it's a George Clooney. I It's like George Clooney, like, little tiny movie where he's directing it, and, like, mm. it's got a bunch of people in it from The Green Mile that had just happened, and, like, a bunch of people from that are in it. It's just, like, tremendous actors about some idiots uh, it reminds me of Lady Killers, kind of. It's like just idiots yeah. or uh, criminals, and they get into hijinks, and it's fucking tremendous. But the, the special features on that features a song by Louis Guzman called Your Mother is a Whore. And it is <laughs> one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Like, it's so funny. It's tremendous. As like one of those yeah. things where I watched all the features over and over again. Oh, my goodness. And I, and, and I thought Louis Guzman was perfect casting. Because uh, yeah. uh, he's the uh, I can't remember Morticia is played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, and you're just like okay, you know, and and because the whole thing about Gomez is he treats his wife like a princess, and I'm just like, well, yeah, that's perfect casting there because you know, yeah. no offense to Mr. Mr. Louis Guzman, he's got a bit of a mug, and Catherine Zeta-Jones is gorgeous, so like I'm like, yep, that's pretty perfect casting. So yes, the monsters is a pretty much a prequel they don't even get to america until like the last fucking 20 minutes or something even less uh they spend all of it in transylvania pretty much it's a the movie is basically how herman meets lily okay and yeah and how they fall in love and get married and then moving to america and that's the plot that's it. Okay. Well, I'm not going to watch that, you know, Good. so I appreciate you doing that for us, you know, um, mm-hmm. but man, I, I'm not, I just, the fact that it's in color. Why? <laughs> why yeah. is it in color? It should be in color. It looks all weird. And yes, I know there were monsters movies and like, you know, I think there was even the new monsters or something like that that came out in the nineties or eighties or something. So I know they've done stuff in color, but like that's not canon. That doesn't, you know, to me, the OG monsters is what's all about. And it's not even, like you said, it's not even worth remaking. It's just like, I mean, why? I don't know. Why? Why make it a prequel? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why do it at all? I don't know. You know. I tell you what. Like, whilst I'm not a fan of any of the story or any of the jokes, or how vibrant the colors are. Because uh, it looks like a Nickelodeon show. What I am a f- fan of was any time that movie switched to black and white, which only happened a couple of times, I thought the movie looked infinitely better because it go. felt more monsters to me. Like, yeah. So there it is. 
Yeah. And I like how we mentioned the monsters, and I spent most of it going like, "Can we just talk about Raul Julia and Louis Guzman, please?" Oh man, (laughs) what fucking! I mean, Raul Julia is so great in those movies. Those and both of them are awesome. Both those movies are fantastic. Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values. I love those movies. I mean, you know, there was like the if you remember the trailer. The trailer had the joke where Wednesday Adams knocks on the door and or, or no Girl Scouts show up at their house and girls they're like, Would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And she says, Are they made from real Girl Scouts like that? And that joke is tremendous. And that's the thing that's so funny about that movie is that it's so dark. And like, but the jokes are are so funny. You know, like the what just you know, I just said this for a few minutes ago, but like somebody somebody meets uh you know, Raul Julia, and they're like, oh, you know, you're a lady killer, and he's like, acquitted. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, See, those so are jokes they might not have been able to do in the 60s, but, like, whilst they're not, like, really, really super mega dark jokes, this this kind of like a, uh, that's that's kind of the jokes that an Adams Family would make in the, in the 90s. Like, yeah, they did those, they did those right. I might have to have another look at those, because I'm... Those are great, man. Kid at the cinema, yeah. so yeah. You know, another like kind of spoof movie of that sort, because it's kind of a spoof movie a little bit, you know, it's kind of making fun, but haven't, you know, have reverence for the original show. This there's two of them. And my God, these are so funny. They have no right to be this funny. It's uh, it's the the fucking Brady Bunch movie. And then a very Brady sequel. Those movies are so fucking funny. I mean, they have no right to be as funny as they are. Mike McKeon is like the evil banker that's trying to fuck with him, and he's tremendous. The 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 guy from Office Space that's like, yeah, can you come in on Saturday? Okay. Oh, that Gary guy, Cole. Yeah, he plays he plays the main Brady. He plays whatever I don't that's know right. guys main Brady. Yeah. And there's this Brady joke that shit. running running joke they do throughout both movies is that he'll be on the phone and like Mrs. Brady's behind him and she's reacting to his facial expressions and he's like. He's like on the phone and he's like, oh, I do. Oh, you will. And he's like making faces at her, like good faces. Right. And she's reacting like, oh, great. He's like, oh, you have. Oh, they will. OK, well, I'll see you then. He hangs up the phone and then tells her terrible news. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. I love those shows. Man, I need to watch those again. Those are great. By the way, is Lurch in those Adams Family movies? Is that like is that tall guy from Twin Peaks? Is that him? <gasps> It's got to be, right? It has yeah. to be. Who else would yeah, play the Giant, The Fireman, whoever, you know, that guy's fantastic, man. You know? I wonder if in I, Adam's uh, Family Values, he, he has a line saying it's happening again. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> he All he says is, you rang. That's all he says. <laughs> that's all he said <laughs> in the show. You know? That's great. Oh, my goodness. All right, Mr. Dude. Do you want to talk some uh, Never Gold? Some never yeah. time. All right, we're getting to the uh, the fireworks factory. It's never realm. We're going to talk some shit here and there, but uh, we got more shit to talk. Trust me. Oh, we always do. Um, but uh, here, like, <clears throat> it is ten years, uh, kind of. Well, yesterday, today, for of uh, never open title uh, matches and all that kind of stuff. First champion was crowned uh, October fifth, twenty twelve, and that of course was Masato Tanaka, and he beat. Machine Gun Carl Anderson, and who's the champion now? Ten years later, it's the Machine Gun. 
Carl Anderson. Good so, symmetry. Uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. So uh, I watched uh, at least I uh, watched three matches. I took notes on two. Uh, the one I didn't take notes on is because it has uh, the you know protein powder thief in it. But the reason <laughs> I and, and I'm going to talk about that match first, just really quickly. Uh, the, the only reason I watched it is because all right, so I got into New Japan Pro Wrestling in, in 2017, uh, and I jumped in on World being a subscriber right when the G1 that year happened. And that G1 opened my mind and brain and soul to New Japan Pro Wrestling, whatever, and all that kind of stuff. And the first, so I, I looked it up and it was like, oh, like, I wonder what my the first New Japan Pro Wrestling Never Open Way title match was that I would have watched live. So I looked it up. It's pretty easy. You know, just click on the Never Title on World, everyone, and all the matches are there, title matches. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, really? That was my first one? And it is a lumberjack match. It was in Destruction in Fukushima, September 10, 2017. It is. Oh, it's at the Azuma Sports Park. So uh, that's something for you there, Mr. Andy. One day, if I ever go back there, you can tell me all <laughs> Thanks, about it in the sports park. Uh, but it is Minaro <laughs> Suzuki, who is the champion at the time, versus, well, the Protein Powder Thief. And it's a lumberjack match. So uh, Protein Powder Man is uh, in Hontai. So you've got uh, Taguchi, Ricochet, uh, Tanahashi, and I think there was maybe one other wrestler on, uh, on that Juice. side of the lumberjack. Yeah, on that side of the Lumberjacks, and on the other side, it's uh, Suzuki-gun. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really fun match. They do do, do do, haha, they do do some never stuff. It's quite nevery in certain portions, but you've also got, uh, you know, uh, Suzuki-gun doing their cheating stuff uh, and all that kind of stuff, uh, trying to help Suzuki win the title. It's a Lumberjacks, Lumberjack rule, so you're going to get a lot of that shit. Uh, you know, it ends, thankfully, with the... Uh, is a really gnarly looking gotcha style pile driver. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was the kind of the first never open championship match uh, I ever watched live. So uh, unfortunately, that match has a special place in my fandom. Uh, like, yeah, because of the other guy in it. But hey, as a bonus of rewatching that match, I did get to see Minoru Suzuki beat the shit out of him, so uh, there is that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hey, man, both those guys do the big wind-up forearm. That's, yeah. you know, so I bet you that was a big part of the match. And Definitely I, I was. you know, barely remember that, you know, but uh, I would have watched that as well live, you know, back in the day. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, the first match that, you know, that leads to the first match that I watched, uh, not live, uh, I don't think, I just – you know, this is the first never title match I think that I ever watched. And it was before New Japan World was around and I was just, mm. you know, trying to find matches. I think I watched this on Daily Motion or whatever. And it was uh Ishii versus Han Matu from twenty thousand fifteen. Uh two thousand fifteen. Nice. And uh I loved it. You know, I watched them both. So there's two Ishii versus Hanma matches. And um I they're both good, but this one is kind of the one. Because it's like they really are putting everything behind Hanma, and he's super over. And the crowd's kind of like, eh, fuck you, Ishii. We want Hanma. And so there's this intro video package. I posted some of it on Twitter just because it's so awesome. And it's Hanma 
like talking Bungie about jump Kokeshi. Kokeshi. Yes, it's talking about Kokeshi's painting little Kokeshi dolls, and they keep showing a, <laughs> like a, a video of the Kokeshi just falling over, you know, and he's just saying, yeah, Kokeshi sure is a thing. <laughs> it's just so awesome. Yes, and so he trains by doing bungee jump Kokeshi. So, oh my god. And Ishii is just heel in the match. So it's tremendous as far as that guy, as far as that goes. And like they do all the throat chops, which, you know, that was one of the first things that kind of blew my mind about, you know, never style matches is the, the strikes and the amount of them. I'd never really seen anything like that. You know what I mean? I was like in America, that was not what the style was happening at the time. And I, I wasn't watching ROH in the early 2000s. So, you know, that blew my mind. You know, and but this match gets super never. I mean, they this is the quintessential, you know, never style match where they're doing shoot head butts and they're almost killing each other and doing like two flips on a suit or on a fucking lariat and suplexing each other out of the ring. And, you know, and uh, but one of the things in, in these matches that Hanma used to do because he's crazy is that he used to do the Kokeshi to the floor from the fucking top rope. And And he does it in this match. He does it in the first match versus Ishii and it's terrifying. And, and he loses. (laughs) Jeez. You know, oh my God, we appreciate you doing that move, Mr. Homer, but don't ever do it again. (laughs) He used to do it all the time and it's terrifying because you're just falling face first on the ground. At least when Tanahashi does the high five flow, there's like something he's doing in the air to kind of, make it look like he's not just falling right on his face, you know? Yeah. And the other guy's standing up to, you know, catch him. So, oh my goodness. So I decided to watch uh, a, a couple matches and take some notes and uh, we can, we can take it, take it in turns. But uh, now any long time listeners will, will know that uh, I'm pretty much up to the Macabre run in order of the uh, never open title stuff. You know, when we were doing recommends, and you reminded me of this fact, and uh, to which I responded, dude, do I have to watch Makabe matches for our special 10th anniversary show? Because, you know, I love to give him shit. And I'm sure they're great because, uh, he, you know, it's, he can be quite never when he wants to be. But uh, instead, I skipped ahead and I watched two matches featuring this wrestler because I uh, haven't watched, haven't seen much of this guy's stuff live. It's always been like looking back. So I watched uh, the first one I watched was Katsuyori Shibata versus Satoshi Kojima. It happened on Saturday, March 19, 2016 at the H.E. Gymnasium. I'm stealing shit. <laughs> the general. It's the general gymnasium, by the way. Just letting you know. Yeah. So strap in. I, uh, I um, might have gone a bit overboard and taken some uh, amazing uh, Andy style notes for these two matches. I had, I had extra time. I could pause it to my heart's content and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's what I did. So, look, annoyingly, it starts silent, and I'm like, geez, like, you don't have Kojima's music? Like, oh, what the fuck? But, Was he using oh, different music then? Okay. So uh, I, Kojima, I by the way, there's zero commentary for this match as, as well for some reason, so yeah. that's also weird. Uh, Kojima comes out with uh, Tenzan, uh, Yuji Nagata, and uh, Yoshinobu uh, Nakanishi, and also Jay Wright is there as a young lion, so uh, I, I always notice that. Do you think that, like... I was thinking it's Three Dads Jim and their investor, Monster Morning. You know, like that's, that's what I was thinking. 
That's right. They came out with their three days gym shirts and everything. The garters was blue, of course. And uh, yeah, so uh, let's do it. Uh, it's uh, Shibata versus Kojima. We've got uh, both men trying for wrist locks and they get uh, tied into the ropes and then the, the blow trading starts, forearms and stuff. There's a neck breaker by Kojima, a rush and leg sweep, and there's one counts. Kojima uh, puts Shibata in a sleeper hold and uh, Kojima tries for a brab, but, uh, you know, he's really What's talking it too, which is right. He's got extra stank on that uh, on that move, which is awesome. Uh, Shibata makes it the ropes, and Kojima even goes for a sharpshooter, but uh, Shibata turns that into a leg lock. Kojima makes it to the ropes, and Shibata pulls him back for a figure four. Kojima reverses it, and then you've got this battle between both of them, like going back and forth on this uh, figure four leg lock, which is really cool. I really like that. Uh, now uh, Shibata's going for the arm, of course, and... Uh, as he does because it's Kojima's bread and butter, isn't it? So Shibata kicks the arm and goes after it and throws Kojima outside. They're fighting on the outside. Kojima hits his arm on the post as Shibata ducks. So that's nice. Uh, Shibata rolls Kojima in and starts stomping the arm. Like, And then there's this vicious-looking fucking tri- triangle armbar thing by Shibata, which looks awesome. Uh, now and then uh, Shibata just starts kicking him in the face and face-washing him in the corner. Ouch! Running face-washes and elbow strikes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Then Kojima turns them into machine gun traps, and then there's more elbow strikes from Shibata. It's fucking nuts. Uh, machine Kijima gun can... elbow. He does the machine yeah. gun elbow strikes. That was great. Yeah, yeah. It was fucking great, man. Kojima goes to the top, but he's too slow, and there's a kick to the fucking face, and he falls outside. Shibata fucks Kojima's up, arm up some more in the railing, and then uh, you know he sends him flying into another rain. Click. Kojima chop blocks Shibata as he's on the ra- railing, and then both men are on it. There's a DDT by Kojima. The fucking crowd loves bread, man. They they are yeah, going for Kojima in this match. behind bread in this match, for sure. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> Countout starts, but Kojima rolls Shibata back in, and, and it goes to the top to elbow the chop blocked leg. I like that. Like, I like it when they use some of that psychology. I mean, yes, he usually uses it to elbow the chest or whatever, but he's been working that le- that leg over. He chop-blocked it. It's down. That was tremendous. That was awesome. I love that part of this match. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Kojima's hitting uh, elbows, and then uh, and uh, Shibata's walking into them, of course, then blasts Kojima in the corner with one, just one of his own. Drop kick in the corner by Shibata and picks Kojima up for a suplex. And then both men just start trading cyto-suplexes, then Germans, then knocking each other down with forearms. Both men, like, finally stay down. Kojima's up first. There's both men on one knee. They're trading forearms now. Standing up, there's more forearms and by Kojima. And then it's like this. Uh, they look fucking brutal, by the way. They're fucking going for it. Then a, a kick to Kojima's gut, then a PK, and then a Death Valley driver by Shibata. I'm just like, fucking hell. There's kicks to the front and back of Kojima. And which looks awesome. And uh, Koji grabs the leg and knocks Shibata down. Both men are slow to get back up. And Kojima wails on Shibata in the corner. Super Koji cutter off the middle rope. Kojima's slow to... Yeah. Kojima's slow to pin uh, Shibata and Shibata kicks out. Kojima goes for the baguette of death, but Shibata kicks his arm and uh, Kojima lariats him with the other arm. Uh, Shibata turns a lariat into an arm bar, but Kojima makes it the ropes. More front and back kicks by Shibata, but Lariat! Kojima's selling the arm, though. That's been worked over the entire match, and he's slow to pin Shibata, who kicks out. 
Kikajima hits a brain buster, another kick out, drop kick by Sabata, another lariat attempt into a chokehold, Inziguri to the back of Kojima's head, another sleeper, and a PK, and Shibata finally gets the three. Post-match, uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan challenges, so that's the next match. But uh, I didn't cover that match. I, I skipped ahead a little bit for a different one. But yeah, um, sorry about the long notes. I know I don't usually take notes oh, like that. Good. I like that. I like it. But I wanna, I guess I wanted to celebrate 10 years of never title, and I, I went for it. <laughs> and, you, and we'll celebrate how we want to celebrate. So... We didn't tell each other necessarily which matches we were watching, except for a few, and this was one of them. So I watched this one too, and I had a lot of fun with this. This was, you know, you described it perfectly. This was a tremendous match. I I thought it was really funny after the after the loss, like baby Master Wado runs in and tries to help Kojima because he's a young lion, and like. <laughs> they have to do the challenge thing, and Shibata's like, "Get the fuck out of the ring." <laughs> Get away from him, you know, because, you know, Shibata wants to stand over him with the title so that then Tenzon can yeah. be like, hey, you know, but uh, I love that. And, you know, it's just I Shibata is so good. You're talking about the like beater beetle blaster, like Daniel Bryan style kicks he does to the front and back. Don't, Definitely. Don't feel like his form is so cool looking like his form doesn't look like anybody else. It looks it's I don't know. It's really neat. I love this match. Thanks for talking yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, glad I watched it. Uh, it's Kojima's only time that he's gone for that Never title, and uh, if he ever does it again, you know it's going to look something like this. Because he can still pull out matches that look quite like this. Look at his recent matches yeah. with uh, Grado Khan and things like that. Man, uh, you know, hey, he's loaded up on all that bread. He's got a lot of carbs. He's got a lot of energy to burn. <laughs> you know he can still fucking go. <laughs> yeah, that match is awesome. All right. Well, next, I watched something a little out of the realm of Never a little bit. I mean, it's it's a Never open title match, all right? But it's a little yep. different um, because I wanted to lead up to another match, and I was like, huh, I remember Jeff Cobb used to be the Never uh, weight champion, and he sent us a voice message for us that said, yeah, that he lost it to a certain gentleman by the name of Dangerous T. And so I watched from Wrestling Don Taku 2019, Jeff Cobb versus... Taichi nice choice the, uh never open title and okay so this is a fun show because this is pre-paint right before the pandemic you know and we got rocky gino and kevin and chris on commentary all at the same time <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> four people so that's pretty fun um and so how this match got set up is that taichi beat will osprey to get a title shot when will was the champ but then Will lost the title to Jeff Cobb. So Jeff Cobb has a win over Osprey, by the way. Um, so that's why we're here. That's why Tai Chi's fighting Jeff Cobb. So this is not – so this isn't your typical style never match. This is more like what you see now, you know, with Carl Anderson. Because what it is is it's like, you know, it's it's Tai Chi. He's 100% heel here. He's got Kanemaru and Takamichinoku with him, you know, so they're up to all kinds of shenanigans and everything. And uh, it's all about mind games and stuff with Tai Chi. And <laughs> this is also when Cobb is kind of just boring, boring, generic babyface guy who does cool shit. And so the match is Suzuki-Goon match, which we don't see very often. You know, it's like it, they take him to the outside, beat the shit out of him. Or, you know, there's all the fun uh, things that Tai Chi used to do. Maybe choke people with the 
you know, the uh, microphone cord and he'd fucking grab the bell hammer and all that shit. So he's doing all that stuff. He's got the iron finger with him, too, but he doesn't use it, you know, so <laughs> he ends up, and, and he ends up winning. Uh, you know, there's some shenanigans with his uh, partners there and there's a low blow, the Gato clutch. But Cobb kicks out, right? And then he hits the big kick with the Black Mephisto, and Taichi wins. He picks up Jeff Cobb and hits the Black Mephisto on him, which was really cool. So Taichi got put over huge here, and he got booed, and it was great. Of course. And, and I, I can see what the next match is. And I'm like, yeah, that might be the next match I think you're going to cover. It might be the start of Taichi's kind of, I guess, um, prominence as like people looking at him different, being like, all right. Well, what match are you talking right, about? Because I, I I, think I went a different direction. Oh, you did? Well, the next Never Open match after the Jeff Cobb uh, Taichi match is uh, Taichi versus Ishii. Ooh. So uh, uh, that was, it was it. And Ishii's like... I remember that being pretty good. Fuck your cheating shit. I'm going to bring it out of you. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know, Ishii always brings it out. But, yeah, I didn't cover that match. Instead, I, um, I skipped around a bit in uh, Shibata's reign. It's, it's the same reign that, that Shibata's having as uh, the Never Open title, title champion. It is from uh, Saturday, November 5th, at uh, the 2016 Power Struggle. So uh, no doubt you have seen this uh, because 2016 you before, is your shit. Before they, they struggle for power, do they declare it? <laughs> Declaration! <laughs> do you of declare power. Do you have to yeah. declare the power to struggle for it, or do you struggle to declare it? <laughs> I, I think I think it's both. I think uh, some wrestlers declared their struggle and the other people were struggling to declare it. Um, but, yes, it's at the uh, Edeon Arena in Osaka. We get never-open title music. Ah, sometimes you'll get that at the start of title matches. Yeah. Each title has its own music. So uh, <laughs> Plus, we hear Evil's old music, and while I do miss it, I kind of like the new one more. Uh, ref chomping oh, is I love his old music, man. Come on. I love his old song. That's my favorite. It's Milano's favorite song, too. Yeah. So uh, it is Chumpy refing this. It's Evil versus Katsuyori Shibata. And uh, by the way, uh, everyone's on the Shibata train here. Uh, now, uh, they, they tie up in the ropes and Shibata just slaps Evil right in the fucking face. There's, there's that sizing up thing, you know, where they both try to do moves on each other, they dodge, and then they pause, and then everyone's like, yay. Shibata Chinglot's evil and kicks him in the back, and then there's like a triangle leg choke. Uh, evil makes the ropes and gets kicked off the apron into the railing. Evil lariat Shibata on the apron Canadian style and throws Shibata <laughs> into the railings. Uh, evil grabs a chair, shoves Chumpy away, and then puts Shibata's arm through the chair and sends him into the ring post. The crowd's fucking going, boo! Evil, evil, evil rolls, uh, evil rolls in, and Chumpy starts the count because uh, yeah, most other matches that I've seen li- lately for the Never Title, they roll the other guy in. Evil's just like, fuck you, I'm evil. Uh, you know, <laughs> Shibata struggles. He, as the countout's going, Shibata's like struggling to get his arm out of the chair. Uh, makes it look really cool, uh, and he uses his foot to kind of push the chair off. Shibata enters the ring, and Evil attacks the arm. There's a surfboard stomp, then a senton. Evil went for a senton earlier and missed it, but he gets it this time. Evil shoves Shibata back down with his foot, and Shibata sits cross-legged asking for more. So Evil gives it to him, of course. Shibata rocks Evil, though, with, like, one 
fucking forearm, then a kick to the face in the corner. <laughs> then then Sabata face washes the shit out of him, then a drop kick, then an awesome looking suplex. There's an abdominal stretch on Evil, but he makes it to the he, as he as he tries to make it to the ropes. Shibata just kicks him. That's ironic, you know. Fucking I wish Shibata up. would have reached out and grabbed somebody's arm, you know. Fucking yeah. Make up the <laughs> chain, you know. <laughs> uh, Shibata kicks him fucking hard. There's an eye rake by Evil, uh, catches Shibata's leg in the corner, and there's a lariat. Uh, Shibata grabs Evil's leg, and there's like fucking ouchy elbow to the face, and then a savage kick makes Evil drop like a sack of shit. Both men now trade strikes, with Evil getting the upper hand with a lariat. Darkness Falls uh, is reversed into a backdrop suplex. Evil gets in some of his own kicks and flattens Shibata for two. Darkness Falls for two, and Shibata re- reverses the everything is evil with the everything is Shibata for a <laughs> double down. <laughs> Both men are on their knees now trading blows. There's like amazing thuds too. They're fighting up to their feet. Shibata gets the upper hand, or, or so he thinks, like there's amazing reversals into a sleeper by Shibata, but Evil gets out of it and Shibata just smacks him in the mouth and there's another sleeper. Evil tries to get out of it by uh, wrenching Shibata's injured arm. And, the, and as a limp evil tries to go for the rope, Shibata does a release snapdragon. But instead of just landing back on his head, evil kind of flips over to land on his front. It looked fucking amazing. The movie even gets a replay, and that doesn't happen very often in New Japan shows. Uh, evil starts being counted out, and uh, Shibata goes, because he rolls out after that gnarly-looking suplex. Uh, so evil rolls the fuck out. Shibata goes after him. <laughs> Then rolls him back in, then Evil rolls back out. <laughs> evil throws Chumpy into Shibata and hits uh, Shibata with the never title. Booze! Uh, ringing out. Oh. Then Evil brings out the chairs, throws them in the ring. There's a nasty baseball chair spot for Booze. Fisherman Buster by Evil under the chair for a two count. Then everything is Evil! And Evil wins for the first yeah. time. Uh, that's his first time as the never open champion. Now, the funny thing about watching this match is a lot of complaints a lot of people make about evil today is, oh, he's fucking cheating and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you ever watch evil matches before? Like, watch this match. Evil's evil. Like, I guess it's okay for evil to do evil things when he's in the cool faction like LIJ, but as soon as he's in his own little, you know, faction of ball club, there's like, no, that's too much, man. So, you know. I mean, I know he's kind of amped it up even more because he's even more heel now, but uh, it was all there. It's always been there. Evil doing evil shit. Uh, I, I actually also really like this match. These two fuck each other up pretty cool. It's a good match. Well, LIJ is the heel stable at that point, too. So, you mm. know, they hadn't had their big face turn, and part of that face turn was evil turning on them. You know what I mean? So that was really solidified it, but uh, it's interesting to go back and see him. I haven't watched any old evil matches for a while. I need to go back and watch that one. I bet you it's probably right. It's great. Um, well, so I have three more matches I watched or no, two more. All right. And one of them we've already talked about ad nauseum. So I'll just kind of, you know, I mean, there's nothing. You just got to watch this every once in a while. It's easy versus Bushi for 2014 oh. you just gotta watch it oh there's God. nothing to say you just gotta watch it so everybody watch that okay just watch it and just see might what... be the might be the, <laughs> the the best never open title match yeah. there is it's it's like 
it's maybe the most violent one that's for sure you know it is very violent and it is i mean like at one point they're just hitting palm strikes on each other and they're and like ishi's bleeding out of his head and it's just like <laughs> it's so insane but instead of talking about that more i'll tell you about my final match which was uh so i wanted to kind of look at jeff cobb's like stuff with the never title and so you know if you're gonna talk cobb and never title you gotta talk the best maybe one of the best never title matches ever maybe it definitely one of my favorite <gasps> ever. it's uh shingo versus cobb from wrestle kingdom 15 man oh my uh, god yes this match is incredible so i watched this again and the honorable ref chumpy is presiding which i noticed a uh you know a theme because like you know because the where the never title is usually on the card almost always ref chumpy is the is the ref so that's that's a good thing you know um sure is <laughs> so but this match i here's how i remember this match now i watched it twice like the day of wrestle kingdom or whatever like as soon as wrestle king was over i think i like watched it again or we recorded and i watched it after i can't remember but I watched this twice, uh, you know, in the first couple of days there. And I remember it being like 100 miles an hour with like no selling or anything. Just like move, 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 move. Well, that is not it at all. You know, I watched this again and there's a lot more selling and psychology, psychology stuff that I, than I remember. It's just what this is, is this is Shingo's junior match. That's what it is. But with a, uh, you know, a big man in the mix. So like. It reminds me of his run through the junior, you know, uh, the whatever, best of super juniors, where he was just beating everybody. For example, you know, we see Shingo, he breaks up the rolling gut wrench suplexes with a with a Hurricane Rana. You know, like there's stuff like that. He sets up a huge dive and does a huge dive. And he hadn't, you know, also this match is interesting because he is about to do a big fire up, but he hadn't yet told the world, like admitted his love for Ska. So he just yells, Ska, Ska, Ska! Ska! Yeah, he just yells, ah, like that instead. So he hadn't added the part yet. He didn't want to. He wasn't ready yet. So, um, you know, now he's wearing, uh, you know, checkered vans and stuff. So, uh, but Cobb, he, of course, hits all his crazy power moves that we see. And Shingo gets a few of his own to, like, start a comeback or for a double down. And they're almost always for a double down at the beginning of a comeback that ends in the double down real quick because Shingo's selling how much energy it takes to lift up Cobb. It's great, man. And uh, he was also 0-3 versus Cobb before this match. Twice in New Japan, one in PWG. So, you know, this is a big match for him. And I remember the turning point in this match is so cool because Shingo tries everything. And then he does what Evil did. He kind of plays a little dirty, man, because he's an LIJ and it's okay when they do it. And he hits a chop block <laughs> on Cobb and starts fucking with his leg, right? And and that's also a junior thing, isn't it? He's like, oh wait, I I used to fuck your leg, shit. yeah, yeah, fuck your leg. How dare you have legs? And so <laughs> you know that's really great. And you know Cobb, it, like that lets him get a, a made Japan for two and heads to the final stretch where Cobb hits a tour of the islands, but his knee is all fucked up and he can't, you know, like it's from the weight and the effort of doing the move, it fucks his knee up. Uh, you know, also from the damage Shingo had done, but and then Shingo power bombs Cobb off the top rope like Tower of Doom style. <laughs> it was amazing. And then they both hit this crazy flipping power slam that I don't remember ever seeing before in my life. And they both do it on each other. And then Shingo 
retains after pumping bomber and then uh you know the last the dragon but i mean this match is very high work rate very fast paces but there is a lot of times where they're selling and they're both down stuff like that so it was a lot slower pace than i remember even though it is 100 miles an hour tremendous one of the best never title matches ever yeah it's in the conversation for sure i remember when you and i recorded our episode four that show which was uh, wrestle kingdom that was night two i think because january 5th i can see it on the screen uh i i don't know i can't remember if we said it was either up there or one of the best uh, wrestling matches on that card which yeah, is amazing a, a part of me like every time i think about that match a part of me always wonders what if what if cobb had won that match like um it's also the case of like someone losing a match and then immediately being like super over more because they just had like a yeah. super mega banger with Shingo Takagi. So man, that that match put both men over. Made this is like when Shingo's kind of like climbing, uh, starting to become a heavyweight threat, which is really cool, uh, and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, fuck man, that match was amazing, and uh, yeah, it was. Super cool. The quintessential putting a guy over in a loss. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you do it. That's like, that's what New Japan's all about, man. Both guys look awesome. And like, that did make Cobb like as like a threat for, you know, the higher, it moved him off the card. That was great. Yeah, that that match did, uh, I think it moved kind of both men up the card too. Like, like, uh, Shingo's next uh, defense would be another awesome match. With a surprise finish for me, at least with, with uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. So, uh, yeah, that was that's another banger. And then Hiroshi Tanahashi would go on to have the match that that makes Great Okan for me, because yeah. it, uh, you know that match like Great Okan, show me something, show me something. Then boom, that title match happens. Hey, nothing like having an amazing never open title match to make me go, I like you forever. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want him to get that title at some point, man. I love O'Connor on I the top, but I'm kind of hoping that they just lose to FTR or they win and lose the title so that they can do single stuff. Because I just want to see, I want to see Great O'Connor do single stuff. He's clearly a singles wrestler. Look at it. You know what I mean? Come on, let's let's claim do some stuff. But I mean, there's always tournaments for that. I know, but it's like I just want to. I want him to win a title that's a singles title. Yeah, same. All right. So, uh, by the way, uh, I was tempted to watch what was generally considered one of the weaker Never Open title matches of all time that happened in America at the Manhattan Center Hammerstein Ballroom, Saturday, September 28, 2019. It's Kenta versus, do you know who? Kota? Yoshi Hashi. Oh, my God. That Remember was that? the whole, yeah, that was the whole Bochan thing. And, like, you know, uh, Kenta just like being like, why is this happening all the time? Right? So... I won this title and I got to defend it against this bozo. Like what? <laughs> like, you know, it's funny when um, after uh, Kenny Omega won the title from Okada, his first feud was with Yoshihashi. And it was like, and he was, you know, of course being like, why is this? like, okay, I guess I got to wrestle Yoshihashi. I mean, kind of shitty, right? He did one time beat Kenny Omega 
once upon a time in the G1, but yeah. that 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 was like years ago as well. Well, to that's why he, yeah, that's why he got the title shot, I'm sure. And it's just that's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, they're not all super mega never bangers, and uh, I don't think the crowd was too receptive to that match either. So uh, ooh. but uh, they made up for it because uh, Kento beat Ishii next. But uh, yeah. What 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 was the uh, the other match that you covered? That's it, man. Oh, oh man! So some amazing never goodness. And whilst I did check out a whole bunch of Antonio um, Noki stuff, I only took notes on one of the matches that I watched, um, and it was the first one. And uh, the finish annoyed me, so I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to let the other matches wash over me and take them for what they are because they might feature some of the same things and you know, i'm sort of, sort of right but uh the and it, i didn't take mega notes like i did for the never matches i'm sorry mr Inoki, but um that's how it is it is from 1994 wrestling don taku in the fukuoka dome may 1st 1994 i said 94 twice whatever at the fukuoka dome i said that twice too english commentary which is nice uh, with uh, kevin kelly doing some uh, you know those retrospective commentaries i quite like those it's uh, Anoki final countdown. So it's uh, Tony Anoki versus the Great Muta. So a lot of this match is just presence and vibe from both men. Muta's playing big mind games. There's a big stare down on the ramp. Muta holds the ropes open. There's just that's there's a lot of like Muta just doing what Naito would do 20 years later. Just fucking around, got rolling to the outside, making Antonio Noki lose his fucking mind. Like, come on, let's fight. All this kind of shit. Now, I was really digging this match. I'm not going to shit on it big time, don't worry. But I was, it was really cool when it, when they start wrestling because Muda just fucking kicks his ass the whole time. The funny thing <laughs> is, is Muda sprays just mist. He sprays red and green mist. So he sprays like Anoki with green mist and Anoki looks like the Hulk for the rest of the match. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets busted open on the ring post, but he's bleeding red, but he still looks like the Hulk. So uh, there's lots of my games. But when it gets really good, it's awesome. Like, Anoki is getting his ass kicked. He kicks out of two mood assaults, kicks out a German bridge suplex and a dragon uh, bridging suplex. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. Now Anoki's finally going to get some fucking revenge because he's blind, being blinded and bleeding. He's got his ass whooped. He does a sleeper, then falls on top of Muda. One, two, three, finish. Done. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's it? That would be like a Carter getting his ass kicked for 20 minutes and chuck kick. One, two, three. Oh, money clip. Yeah, exactly. Money, money clip and falls on top of him. One, two, three. So great match. Good psychology. I liked everything about this match. I liked both men in it. I just hated the finish. <laughs> so it's one of those. <laughs> but great match. Anoki, amazing presence. Muda, or oh, the great Muda, which is Keiji Muda, in case there's people who actually don't know that. Uh, fantastic. So I love the psychology. Uh, I actually didn't mind it. it was a lot of like presence, which is kind of what we want from Muda, uh, from uh, KG Mudo and Sting, right? That's what we want. We want that. <laughs> we don't care if they wrestle for fucking two minutes. We just want to see the stare down and just maybe a couple wrestling moves. It's over. Boom. I don't give a shit, you know, uh, but uh, this was 
about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and it takes a while for them to touch each other that much, but it's pretty good stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, so uh, that was the major Inoki match that I, uh, I wrote notes for. As I said, I watched uh, a match he took, he had with Dr. Death Steve Williams in the 80s, and Inoki's got his arm bandaged up, uh, shoulder, so every time he takes like a power move from Dr. Death and you know, you're going to wrestle this big, big burly Gaijin motherfucker. He's going to you know, toss you around. Anoki sells them so fucking perfectly. Like <clears throat> absolutely fantastic. He, yeah. He sells like, that's what he does. He's like Hogan, man. He just gets beat yeah. up the whole time and does a big comeback. And, uh, like that's like that sting match I watched. He's just in the fucking scorpion deathlock like the whole match. I'm not kidding. Like the whole <laughs> match is that. And it's like I don't even know what happened. Like I think Anoki won because like uh Sting wouldn't break the hold or something, but I'm not sure. Like it's kind of hard to tell. I was like doing the mm. dishes while I was watching it too. But uh that's uh we we watched on the show, we watched uh Anoki versus Andre, I think. And we sure obviously did. watched the Island of Death match or whatever. And um, I think we watched another one. Uh, maybe was it Bruiser Brody? Stan Hansen. Yeah, maybe oh, Bruiser yeah. Brody. That's so. Yeah, I was thinking it was Stan Hansen, but yeah, Bruiser Brody sounds right. So you know, a lot of that stuff's out there, and it's really fun to watch. And wrestling's different back then. You know, it's all about these huge people doing things. That's like, you know, I don't know. It's just a different thing altogether. You know, um, I. I don't know. You would never imagine walking up to any of those people in this ring in like a main event at that point and being taller than them. You know what I mean? Like that would never even cross your mind. Whereas mm -hmm. nowadays, you know, I tower over most wrestlers and I don't say, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. It's just interesting how different, you know, wrestling is presented, but Enoki, obviously, you know, a great man who did a lot of great things. And, you know, like I said, some had good results and some had bad. He almost killed New Japan with his whole, you know, shoot fighting thing, which is interesting that you say that Muda finish was that way, because I would think that's probably him trying to put over the MMA stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's so powerful that you just need one hold and you can take a beating the whole time and just win, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, no, nobody's perfect. I guess uh, yeah. Mr. Nuki is is the same. Uh, hey, uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. He uh, almost killed he, the company that he founded, and I don't think they probably built themselves back up until like, all right, it's the rise of Tanahashi. Yeah, exactly. So whenever you hear hear a lot of that stuff, like Tanahashi had New Japan on his back, that's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say he single handedly saved the company because like he had to wrestle people. So, you know, <laughs> you also had amazing wrestlers, uh, contemporaries of the time, like uh, Nakamura and Yuji Nagata and uh, in their prime, Kojima and Tenzan, Tenzan as well. So, Foster you know, morning. yeah. So, you know, there's Captain New Japan, too. Don't forget about him. Oh, you, you definitely can't. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, wow. It's, it's just amazing how different wrestling would have been. Uh, probably, in my opinion, for the worst, if uh, Antonio Inoki hadn't have gone to uh, the people he was working with going, yeah, fuck you guys. And they must have been like, oh, fuck us? Well, why don't you start your own company then? Fine, I yeah. will. <laughs> <laughs> I but, love yeah, that. I, I think it, the reason he did it was also after um, Ricky Dozan passed away. 
and Ricky Dozan brought Antonio Noki into wrestling. Uh, yeah. just, uh, all that kind of stuff. He so, brought uh, Japan into wrestling. So Ricky Dozan's like the guy mm-hmm. that brought Japanese wrestling to America and, you know, American wrestling to Japan, kind of. He's he's like the er wrestler, you know. Yep. If there's a uh, Mount Rushmore of, of important Japanese wrestlers, I'm pretty sure Mr. Inoki and probably uh, Mr. Ricky Dozan are in the conversation to be there. And Doki. Uh, definitely Doki. And fucking Doki's not on Mount Rushmore with other wrestlers. It's just Doki's face on it. <laughs> it's Mount Doki. With with a thought with a with a comic book talk bubble that just says, Yeah. <laughs> and he's holding his hands up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Doki's gonna wrestle. We're gonna watch it soon. I can't wait. Um, just to wrap up the Noki thing, so uh, you know. Just something to look for going forward is how Okada's going to react to this because we know he's yeah. been, you know, a big sto- part of his story this year has been, you know, doing Inoki's moves and dressing like Inoki and kind of honoring New Japan that way and honoring Inoki. So it's interesting to see. Also at uh, Exploration of Power or whatever it's called. <laughs> Exploration. There's going <laughs> to be a 10 bell salute for uh, Inoki, which is a unique cool thing that you know wrestling people do for each other and uh you know jonah's losing that show don't you (laughs) yeah 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 it's fine so uh yeah well we knew he's you know i mean he might win and then and you know and then uh okada could win it back from him or something i hope these guys wrestle a few times because man it's just I can't wait to see that match. It's going to be, a, you know, a masterpiece. So I'm looking forward to that. And we got lots of great things to look forward to, man. You know? It's, it's okay do. that Royal Quest isn't on yet. It's okay. I know. I mean, I'm going to survive. But it would be would have been nice to, in a, in a week that's dry of uh, New New Japan pro wrestling content, that we uh, had Royal Quest. You watch, like, an hour after we finish this and you put the show up and stuff. It's like, hey, Royal Quest is on. I'm like, bitch, are you for real? So uh, <laughs> it's fine. It is what it is. Uh, I don't know if we'll do a show on it because, um, like, they might come out too late. and It might be old news by then, but uh, I'll definitely check out, uh, as Mr. Uh, Renault said, I'll definitely be checking out FTR versus Aussie Open. And then, because I love their chemistry, I'll definitely be watching uh, Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., for sure. If I, I watch nothing watch, else, uh, on those two. I want to see the kids, man. You know, I want to see Suji, and I want to see uh, oh yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. what's uh, you know Death Rider kid. I want to see him wrestle. So you know. yep, I want to see those things too. Oh, it's a uh, it's a long one for us, but uh, you know it's never realm. So we had some uh, you know general shit to talk about, but uh, we also wanted to celebrate ten years of the title that that uh, is an acronym for New Blood Evolution. Valiantly eternal and radical. Uh, so uh, he's hoping for more 10 more gnarly years and beyond off that belt. Man, this has been. By the way, have you had like me dipping out silence issues this episode? You haven't mentioned it. No. All right. Awesome. I'm glad because I've had an absolute fucking blast recording this with you, dude. I've loved every second of it. And, uh, you know, we had to put this. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't sleep in. <laughs> but yeah, no uh, shit. hey, it allowed me to check out a few more matches and, and talk about them and beef my notes up a bit. So I appreciate that. 
appreciate you. And uh, rest in peace, Antonio Nurki. Yeah, uh, it'll be it.